Hey guys, this is Erin from Roadrun Blonde, and I wanted to tell you about a new feature on ACAST that supports its artists. It's the supporter feature. Listeners to Roadrun Blonde can now donate and support the podcast. However, there's no subscription or commitment. You can just give whenever or whatever you'd like. It's completely up to you. Just find the support the show link in the show description on any episode. You can use Apple Pay or Google Pay, and it takes less than 30 seconds. You can donate anonymously, or you can add a message that I can see. As a podcaster, everything comes directly out of my pocket. I don't get paid to podcast. It's just my passion. So anything is appreciated to keep the show going. Thank you so much, guys. And now on to the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Red Rum Blonde. This is a true crime podcast. Each week, I'll explore a case the victims, the facts, and the mystery surrounding it. Some are solved, some remain unsolved. I'm your host, Erin Fleming. You may have heard of the recent controversy surrounding Scarlett Johansson's upcoming movie role. She's set to star in a movie called Rub and Tug, to be directed by Rupert Sanders, best known for his film Snow White and the Huntsman. The movie is about a transgender massage parlor owner, and Johansson is taking a lot of heat being cisgender. Many in the transgender community feel the role should be played by a transgender person. I wasn't paying much attention to the story until I heard the subject of the movie was from Pittsburgh, which is where the story took place, which is now my home. And when I googled it, I became enthralled. This is a crazy story. And then I wondered why I haven't heard of this before. In the 1970s, the massage parlor industry was a front for sex work. And that was an extremely lucrative business. When the owner of many of these parlors was gunned down, that left the door open for new leadership. One person stepped forward to take over. But this wasn't your run-of-the-mill entrepreneur. It was a person, born as a woman, who preferred to dress in suits and be referred to as a man. And he wasn't intimidated by either the mob or the police. What followed after this was corruption, death, murder, bombs, and prison. This week, I'll explore the life of Dante Tex Gill. 
Gil was born and lived as a woman for some time. But I will refer to Gil as he, due to Gil's preference in life to wanting to be known that way. Gil's cousin, Barry Paris, said, There was always a pronoun problem, not knowing whether to call Tex him or her. His father was one of nine children, which made Tex have 42 first cousins. He was known as the one that was most intimidating out of all of them, and this was even at a young age. In his 20s, Tex, who still went by Lois, was an expert horseman and blacksmith who worked at Shenley Park Stables as a riding instructor in the late 1950s. Cousin Barry said, She scared the hell out of us when my cousins and I first took riding lessons from her as kids. Gil kept his hair short under a Stetson hat, preferring to dress more like a man. There are quite a few photos of Gil online. He was pretty short and stocky and always dressed in suits. So one can see why Scarlett Johansson accepted the role. She's known more for her stunning good looks, so this will most definitely be a way to flex her acting chops by taking the attention off of her features. I'm sure it will be like reminiscent of Charlize Theron's Oscar-winning role as Eileen Warnos. Deciding to live and dress as the opposite sex was a very ballsy move for Tex. I mean, this was a time when women were expected to not leave the house without a dress and complete hair and makeup. And although Pittsburgh is a larger city, large parts of it still have a very small-town attitude. Homosexuality is something that has only recently been widely accepted. Back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, this was groundbreaking. It had to have come with some unwanted attention and pressure. But Tex wasn't about to be anything but what he wanted to be. He was self-assured. And this confidence would work to his advantage in the future. During the 1960s, Tex ran a variety of businesses, including a baby furniture store and a frozen food store. And then his mother Agnes fell ill with cancer. To help take care of her, Tex turned to full-time life of crime. His first arrest for sex work occurred in 1964, when he was arrested for entertaining men in a trailer he owned on Noblestown Road. Sadly, his mother Agnes died in 1973. It was in 1968 that he started being called Dante or Tex, rather than go by his given name. And that's when he met George Lee, a mob man who had his hand in everything from porn to sex work. Lee was very feared and respected, and that was something that had a big influence on Tex. Lee first put Tex to work as a manager of the Spartacus Massage Parlor. A fateful day came for Tex on February 12, 1977. Reigning massage parlor owner George Lee was gunned down in a downtown Pittsburgh parking lot after eating at his favorite Italian restaurant. This was at Wood and 7th Street. Lee was shot in the head and chest by two men, who then raced away from the scene in a red and white Corvette. A detective at the crime said it didn't look like a robbery, but a hit. What came next was a struggle for control of the massage parlor empire. Pittsburgh was home to many massage parlors. There were some in downtown, which were really just fronts for sex workers. Former city fireman Nick DeLucio was with Lee at the time he was shot. Took over control of three parlors. Maya in Market Square, Gemini on Liberty Avenue, and the Scandinavian. 
Delucia's partner was none other than Tex Gill. Delucia had taken up with Lee when he worked as a security guard for him. Lee then showed Delucia the ropes. Gill by then was a very notorious character. The Brentwood resident was an overweight lesbian with very short hair and sideburns who dressed in suits and ties. He insisted on being called Mr. Gill. And everyone involved in this whole thing was about six degrees away from the Cosa Nostra mob in Pittsburgh. At one point, Tex met Cynthia Bruno from Dallas, Texas. The two fell in love and married in Hawaii. This was decades before gay marriage was legal. They lived together in Pittsburgh before splitting up. Tex ran a few of the parlors, the Spartacus Massage Parlor in McKee's Rocks, the Japanese Meditation Temple, and the Torian Models Massage Parlor at Penn and 9th Street, which was downtown. When the Spartacus was raided in 1978, Gill notoriously threw a birthday cake at an undercover state trooper. Downtown Pittsburgh is vastly different today than it was in the late 70s. It's somewhat similar to the difference in New York in the 70s to modern day. Now both cities have up-and-coming restaurants and nightlife downtown, but in the 70s, these cities were overrun by drugs, crime, and illicit sex. And that sex work was very lucrative. These massage parlors were each raking in about half a million dollars each. And during this time, the mob had control of much of the city. They were clamoring to get control back over the massage parlors. And they would get it by any means. On Friday, December 23, 1977, a cab pulled up to the Gemini Massage Parlor on Liberty Avenue in downtown Pittsburgh. Joanna Sasha Scott, a sex worker at Gemini, accepted a package from the driver. It was a wrapped Christmas present with a card that read, This is for you, baby. And it was addressed to Scott. The 21-year-old rushed upstairs to open it. But it wasn't a Christmas present. It was a bomb. It exploded with such force that it blew a passerby into a nearby car. All of the windows were blown out and flew onto Liberty Avenue. Christmas shoppers on the street stopped for a moment before continuing on. One woman told a reporter, It's probably just another mob massage parlor thing. Hundreds of gold calling cards were also blown onto the street. They read, 12 beautiful girls to serve you, private and intimate. A boutique on the bottom floor of the building was called the Slack Shack was shaken by the incident. One of its customers was cut by flying glass. Also found on the street was a MasterCard machine used by the girls to charge their customers. The place was destroyed. The damage was estimated to be around $15,000. Scott, the sex worker killed in the blast, had worked for Tex for some time, and previously before, with her late husband, Glenn Scotty Scott, who was also killed in an unsolved 1975 murder. Sasha's husband, 40-year-old Scotty, was involved with Harry Jessup, who was the right-hand man of George Lee at one time. He traveled frequently to the farm the Scots shared. Jessup, 46, was shot six times in 1969 in a Wilkinsburg garage. He survived. Jessup decided to leave the whole scene, while Lee went on to become the massage parlor Empire King. The U.S. District Attorney Richard Thornburg referred to Jessup as a fringe character in the porn war. After Lee was killed, Scott also bailed out of the business, 
instead running a stable business at their farm. There was an investigation into illegal contracts with the farm and $30,000 of county money. And shortly after, he was killed on the farm. And then the bomb was sent to Sasha. Sasha Scott's left arm and leg were blown off, as well as the right side of her face being torn away. The coroner's office had to identify her by a footprint. There had been other incidents linked to the struggle for control of the parlors. Mel Cummings, who worked for George Lee, ran stage 966, a go-go lounge on Liberty Avenue. He was in a legal battle with Delusia and Gill over ownership. Cummings claimed to own 50% of the property. Gill and Delusia jointly purchased the $70,000 mortgage on the club. It culminated in August of the previous year when someone fired at Cummings when he pulled his car into his garage. He lived but was very injured and in fear for his life. Another big player in the parlors was Anthony Bobby Pugh, who was shot six times in the head and killed at his Scott Township apartment. He had apparently told many that he was in fear for his life. Pugh lost his life outside the townhouse where he lived with his wife and girlfriend, who were both masseuses at downtown massage parlors. The name on the mailbox at the house was Debbie Dremsick, and this was the same woman who was with George Lee when he was shot and killed. Pittsburgh's chief homicide detective declared that more hits were coming. The blast at Gemini blew out the entire second floor on which it was located, and there were many others hurt in the blast. One woman was taken to the hospital with shrapnel in her eye. Even though the package was addressed to Scott, police think that she was just merely a pawn in a very dangerous game. An hour after the package exploded at Gemini, another one was left at the house of Nick DeLucia, business partner of Tex. The package was left between the front and screen door, but no one was seen leaving it. A phone call to Mrs. DeLucia let her know it was there. And that's when she called the police. And she wasn't taking any chances, so she left out a side door. Police found only cheese and sausage inside, but not a bomb. But with the occurrences on Liberty Avenue only an hour before, police weren't taking any chances. After the bomb explosion, a court order was issued to shut down four of the parlors for fear of Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. More violence. In addition to the constant struggle for control over the parlors, Tex also had to worry about being busted by the cops. 
I found a rather humorous article from May 21st of 1979, which was titled, Rub Boss Surrenders an Office Vice Case. Tex was arraigned before a magistrate for running an all-girl operation in the Union Trust building downtown. He was released on a 10% of a $10,000 bond. He pulled out a roll of bills from his trousers and peeled off $20 bills to pay the bond deposit. Then he left the building with a cardboard box on his head to avoid photographers. But he couldn't see and stumbled on a curb. He fell and hit his head in anger and then threw a newspaper at the photographers which missed its mark and instead hit a passing police car. He was later cleared of any charges. During the arraignment, Tex claimed to earn a living from a ceramic business called Take Me, Paint Me Shop on the south side. The business reportedly sold unfinished ceramic products, but neighbors claimed that it didn't bring in any money, and it was making many think that it was just another front for something else. The payoff of running the massage parlors was well worth the risk, though. They brought in a ton of money, and Tex lived very well. He traveled extensively, as well as owning some exotic pets. He reportedly treated the women who worked for him very well, buying them fur jackets and diamonds. But at the same time, he could be known to hook them up to lie detectors if he felt they were cheating him out of money. Money was the thing that brought him down, not the sex work. In 1984, Tex was indicted on charges that he failed to report $49,000 of personal income for the years 1977 to 78, and that two of the parlors failed to report a total of $232,000 in gross receipts in 77, 78, and 79. The trial became a huge case with six defense attorneys and two federal prosecutors. That same year, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette gave Gill the dual title of Dubious Man of the Year and Dubious Woman of the Year. The paper was impressed because he offered senior citizens who patronized the massage parlors a $5 discount. The judges wrote, Texas' only real challenge came from Phyllis Shafley, although Divine, Barbara Bush, and Pia Zadora also had ardent supporters. But in Tex, we see the perfect symbol for the upscale androgyny of the 1980s. She embodies business savvy, sexual confusion, and an eye for fashion like no one since Michael Jackson. It's a great quote. Details of the parlor's activity surfaced in trial testimony. The massage parlors were open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. A regular customer could buy a $25 annual membership. That would get you $15 discounts on $50 totally nude deluxe full-service session or a $75 full-service geisha bath session. Or you could charge the services to your credit card. And that receipt would say a purchase was made at Take Me, Paint Me Shop. Women working for Tex got 30% of the take. 60% went to the business, while 10% was supposedly held for taxes. Massage parlors, strip clubs, and adult bookstores sprang up in the 70s after the U.S. Supreme Court struck down state pornography ordinances as being too vague. At the parlors, a first-time customer must initiate a sex act, which made it hard for police to make arrests. Tex was convicted of conspiracy to evade income tax and four counts of filing false corporate returns. 
His ex-wife, Cynthia, was also convicted of conspiracy. He was sentenced in February of 1981 to five years in jail and fined $330,000. After serving two years, he was paroled. He took advantage of a law at the time that prohibited the government from holding people in jail for not being able to pay a fine. The sentence was also reduced on the condition that he close his massage parlors. He got parole in 1987 from the Federal Correction Institute in Lexington, Kentucky. His partner, DeLucia, also served two years of a five-year tax evasion and racketeering charge. Tex lost all of his money and possessions to the IRS. Dante Tex Gill, born Louise Jean Gill, passed away on January 8, 2003, at UPMC McKeesport at the age of 72. He'd been undergoing dialysis for some time. His lawyer, Carl Max Janovitz, said, She was just laughing at the world, and naturally the authorities don't like that. She was a very good businesswoman, but she had a different lifestyle. Although they had a falling out and didn't speak for 10 years, he remembered his friend very fondly. You're talking about a person who was very complex. She was very tough, a lot of fun. She drank a lot, she partied a lot. She could recite poetry endlessly, Irish poetry. I couldn't find any actual proof that Tex had any gender reassignment surgery. At the most, he may have taken hormones. But he identified as male, so in today's terms, he would be transgender. He was supported by the underground gay community throughout the 70s. I also found that Texas' criminal empire spread into an anabolic steroid ring involving the pro football team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I think this is a bit like Fight Club here in Steeler country. You just don't talk about it. As far as the controversy surrounding the upcoming biopic, I'm divided. Personally, I don't have much of a problem with Scarlett Johansson playing Tex. Many are divided on how to refer to Tex Gill. Technically, she was still a woman. But I do know that having woman parts doesn't necessarily mean you have to identify as a woman. So I can also see the flip side where there are some offended by the casting. I'm not transgender, so it's really not for me to say. Tex's cousin, Barry Paris, spoke about it to the press. He said that his cousin would be laughing his ass off at the debate. That wouldn't be as important as how he wanted the world to see him. I'd say it's a toss-up. But I think it's slightly more likely that he would have liked to be played by a man because he identified as a man. I'm sure he would have liked to have been played by a transgender man, but in this day... That was very rare. Johansson responded to the criticism by saying, Tell them that they can be directed to Jeffrey Tambor, Jared Leto, and Felicity Huffman's rep for a comment. She's referring to actors who have previously played transgender characters and were given praise and awards. Sanders simply responded by saying that he's stuck behind his decision to cast the actress that he felt was best in the role. Johansson and Sanders recently caught heat for her being cast in Ghost in the Shell in the role of a Japanese character. Rupert Sanders is no stranger to scandal. He famously carried on an affair with Kristen Stewart during filming while he was still married with two kids. And just as a side note, I heard last night that Scarlett Johansson has actually turned this role down, 
so it'll be interesting to see who's going to play Tex in the end. And that was the story of Dante Tex Gill. I'm sure this casting debate will continue for quite some time. We've hit a point in society where those who have been held back are sounding off about it. I agree that we need to start casting someone other than white men and women for all the various roles in films. And things are changing slightly for the better, but there's still a lot of work to do. I personally love the story of this character. And I think this film will be a lot of fun. And for me, this was kind of a nice break from some of the more depressing things that I research. I also hope that they film this in Pittsburgh, and it would have been nice to get a sight of Scarlett Johansson. I've been pretty impressed with her as an actor since Under the Skin. I think she's more than just a pretty face. Thanks a lot for listening this week. I'm super excited to announce that the podcast has finally hit over 50,000 listens. I had about 20,000 on SoundCloud previously, and combined with the 30,000 on Acast, it's a record I never thought I would hit. Overall, everyone has been extremely supportive, which is such a blessing. I feel I have a very supportive podcast family in the true crime world. I also passed the first anniversary at the start of the podcast. It's hard to believe that it's been a year. I think I've come a long way since the first one. I feel a lot more comfortable and not as stiff. And I've had so many great podcasts that influenced me from Generation Y, Insight, The Vanished, Already Gone, Trace Evidence, The Trail Went Cold, My Favorite Murder, True Crime Island, and True Crime All the Time to Last Podcast on the Left. And I'm honored to be doing my thing along such great newer podcasts like Dark Poutine, Southern Fried True Crime, Murderish, Corpus Delecti, All Crime No Cattle, Mysterious Circumstances, Pleasing Terror, Strictly Homicide, Minds of Madness, Mens Rea, Asian Madness, True Crime Storytime, True Crime Fan Club, and the Forgotten History Podcast, to just name a few of these. These hosts are all cool as hell and great people, and many of them have reached out and supported me. It's a really great community of people. And every day, I'm truly glad my boyfriend pushed me to get off my ass and start this podcast. He's also been incredibly supportive, and he even taught me how to edit. When you work in retail, it's really nice to have an outlet like this and let you do something that you love. So hopefully this year I'll keep getting better and we'll keep bringing you stories that I find interesting. If you want to reach out to the podcast, join the Red Rum Blonde Facebook group or just check out the page. I'm also on Twitter at Blonde Red Rum and on Instagram. And there's some really great merchandise. And there's some really great merchandise still available on tpublic.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm.